dance around fire, sing song, tell story. She was better than the boys, no matter what they said. There's only one thing that Granny liked better than working in her garden. Granny loved to dance. We love stories! It's time for the apple seed, filled with stories for you and your family. All kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers. If you're new to the show, we've been bringing you great tall tales, and fairy tales, and folk tales, and personal and family tales from tellers all over the country and, in fact, all over the world since 2013. We love bringing you these stories, and we're so happy and grateful every time you tune in to bring them into your home and into your heart. And we always hope that the stories that we bring you here on the show spark memories and thoughts for you that you can share with the people that you love around the kitchen table or the living room. That kind of storytelling can make for memories that last a lifetime. And and we encourage you to visit us online at byuradio.org slash Appleseed. There's an archive there filled with episodes of the show, some 2,000 of them now, each episode filled with stories for you and your family. You can also Google the Appleseed podcast for more podcast-only extras. In fact, there are many episodes of the show there, Appleseed Extras, we call them. A single story, just a few minutes long, in case you only have a few minutes and want to fill them with a great story. In the meantime, we're thrilled that you're with us for this full hour of the Appleseed, filled with great tales. Today, we've got tales about, well, about dancing. There are characters that love dancing in uh, the stories that you're going to hear today. We've got stories from Ishu Bumpus, from Sheila Arnold, from Mark Binder, and Priscilla Howe. We'll have a conversation about a favorite song with our old friend Don Shaline. You'll hear an entry in the Radio Family Journal about an unusual treat prepared by my son for me one day. And uh, it's going to be a great hour. We're going to begin with a story from Ishu Bumpus. This is a Caribbean folktale called Dancing Granny. It's from a collection of stories called Dancing Granny and Other Tales to Boogie, too. The storyteller is the wonderful storyteller and jazz musician Ishu Bumpus. And uh, you're going to love this story. Dancing Granny, here on the Appleseed. This is a story about Anansi. Now, if you don't know who Anansi is, sometimes he's a spider, sometimes he's a man. But Anansi is always a trickster. He loves to play tricks. What else we know about Anansi? He's very lazy, never likes to work hard. In fact, when you look in Anansi's garden, all you see is rocks and weeds, because he's too lazy. So sometimes his family has to say, Anansi, go get some food. Well, one day, Anansi's family was out working hard all morning. Anansi was just sitting in the house with his remote in his hand, watching TV. His family came in for some breakfast. They said, Anansi, go get some food. Poor Anansi had to get up out of his easy chair and walk down to the garden. But there's nothing growing in Anansi's garden, just rocks and weeds, that's all. 
But you know, while he was out there, he looked next door over to Granny's garden. She was over there working hard, and she had a wonderful garden because she loved to work in her garden. Now, Nancy could have gone over there and asked nicely for her to share, and certainly she would have shared some food, but that's just not in Nancy's way. He had to play a trick. Now, he knew there's only one thing that Granny liked better than working in her garden. Granny loved to dance. So Anansi had an idea. He climbed up into a tree right next to Granny's garden and made up a little song that went like this. Dance, Granny, dance. Dance, Granny, dance. You know your feet want to move if you give them a chance. So dance, Granny, dance. Granny heard that music. She didn't know where dance, it was coming from. Granny, but all oh, she started to move. Dance, Granny, dance. You know your feet want to move. So give them a chance. Dance, Granny, dance. Granny started dancing. Shake it to the east. Shake it to the west. Shake it to the one that you love best. Shake it to the east, shake it to the west, shake it to the one that you love best. Shake it to the east, shake it to the west. She was having a good time. She danced, she danced right out of that garden. Matter of fact, she danced five miles down the road. Well, Anansi climbed down out that tree and started picking food out of Granny's garden. Now, do you think Anansi was careful and walked neatly in between the rows? Not Anansi. He made a terrible mess in Granny's garden. He kicked over the tomatoes. He stepped on the cucumbers. He was making a terrible mess. But he picked as much food as he could carry, brought it back home to his family. They ate it all up and didn't even save any for him. But he didn't care because all he wanted to do was watch TV. Sat up all morning watching cartoons on the TV. Grown man. Well, after breakfast, his family went out and started working hard again. Meanwhile, Granny came back to her garden. And what did she see? Someone had made a terrible mess in Granny's garden. Well, she had her work cut out for her that day. She had to work hard all morning fixing up her garden. But she didn't mind so much because she really loved working in her garden. And all that morning, Anansi's family was out working hard. And all that morning, what was Anansi doing? Watching TV, old lazy Anansi. His family came in for some lunch. They said, Anansi, go get some food. Anansi had to go back down to his garden. But there's nothing growing in his garden, just rocks and weeds, that's all. So he climbed back up in that tree started to sing his song again. Dance, Granny, dance. Dance, Granny, dance. You know your feet want to move if you give them a chance. So dance, Granny, dance. Granny loved that music. Shake it to the east, Granny, shake it to the west. Shake dance, it to the Granny, dance. You know your feet want to Granny danced ten miles down the road. Anansi climbed down out that tree and started picking more food. Oh, but he made a terrible mess in Granny's garden. Picked as much food as he could carry. He brought it home and gave it to his family. They ate it all up. Didn't even save any for him. But he didn't care because 
All he wanted to do was watch TV. So he sat up all afternoon watching soap operas, old Lazy Anansi. Well, Granny came back to her garden, and it was even worse than before. She had to stop and think about this. Somebody was playing an awful mean trick on her. And when she thought about it, she realized there was only one certain somebody in the neighborhood that liked to play those kind of tricks. That was Anansi. So she'd be ready for Anansi if he came back. Well, Granny got to working hard in her garden. She worked all afternoon fixing up her garden. All afternoon, Anansi's family was out working hard. All afternoon, what was Anansi doing? Watching TV. Finally, his family came in for some dinner. They said, Anansi, go get some food. Anansi had to get back up out of his easy chair. He didn't know why they called it easy. He walked down to the garden. and He didn't even stop to look in his garden. He just climbed right up in that tree. Started singing his song. Dance, Granny, dance. Dance, Granny, dance. You know your feet want to move if you give them a chance. So dance, Granny, dance. Dance, Granny. Dance. This time, Granny started dancing over to that tree. She danced over there and grabbed Anansi out that tree. He stopped singing. She said, no, boy, you keep singing. She made Anansi dance with her. And they both went dancing down the road. Shake it to the east, shake it to the west, shake it to the one that you love best. Shake it to the east, shake it to the west, shake it to the one that you love best. Shake it to the And you know what? If he hasn't stopped singing, they haven't stopped dancing to this very day. Shake it to the east, shake it to the west, shake it to the one that you love best. Shake it dance, to the granny, shake it to the west, dance, shake it to the granny, the You know your shake feet won't move, so give them a chance. Shake it to the granny, the chill Come on and dance, granny, dance. Dance, granny, dance. You know your feet won't move, so give them a chance and dance, granny, dance. Yeah, I said. <laughs> dance, Granny, dance. Dance, Granny, dance. You know your feet want to move, so give them a chance. So dance, Granny, dance. I'm going to be singing that song for the rest of the day. What fun to hear an Anansi story from uh, Ishu Bumpus, the wonderful storyteller and jazz musician. Anansi, of course, the trickster spider from West Africa whose stories have traveled the world. And it's always a pleasure to bring you an Anansi story. Story. And always a pleasure to hear from Ishu. There's a lot coming up on the Appleseed. You're going to hear a story from Sheila Arnold about a little girl named Elena who loves to dance her heart out wherever she goes and whose little contagious spirit is sure to make its way into your dancing heart. You'll hear also a story from Mark Binder called Og Saves the World about a caveman who just wants to do some good. And you'll hear from Priscilla Howe, a story called Now I've Gotcha, a story from a collection of stories called The Ghost with the One Black Eye and other stories. You won't want to miss a word. And, of course, the Radio Family Journal and a conversation with our old pal Don Shaline coming up right after this on The Appleseed. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. 
Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure to have you with us on today's episode of The Appleseed. If you're just joining us, a moment ago we heard the story Dancing Granny from Ishu Bumpus, an Anansi tale that still got me singing, Dance, Granny, dance, dance, Granny, dance. You know your feet want to move, so give them a chance. Dance, Granny, dance. I tell you, I'm going to be singing it all day. There's a lot coming up on the Apple Seed. You're going to hear from Sheila Arnold a story about Elena, who loves to dance her heart out wherever she goes. But first... Because we know that the sharing of memories can sometimes be the spark that ignites a story for you that you can share with the people that you love. Here is a memory of mine. It's a dad memory. What do you do when your little boy makes you a treat that's, frankly, not so appetizing? Well, here's the story in today's entry on the Radio Family Journal. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family, right when you need it, on the Appleseed. I remember sitting in the living room in a rare moment of relaxation during a busy week. And I don't know where my thoughts were, really. I don't remember, but I do remember that every few minutes there's a shouted interruption from the kitchen where my four-year-old is exploring. Dad, where are the olives, he'd say. Or, do we have any graham crackers? I hear the fridge open and close, or the crackle of a plastic cereal bag, or once even the soft ping of a vacuum-sealed bottle cap being unscrewed. The kid getting something to eat for himself is a novelty an experiment with independence. And it's probably fine in there in the kitchen. And, well, dang it, I'm tired. And so the backdrop of little kitchen sounds is even sweeter for the fact that they're happening independent of my help. There's nothing in there that's dangerous that he can reach. I mean, the place is pretty well four-year-old proofed, so... I let him tool around in there, getting whatever snack he's going to get. But every once in a while, the kitchen goes quiet. And I shout, everything okay in there, pal? And the response from the kitchen is always cheerful and affirmative. I mean, I can detect emergencies a mile away, even from the living room. i got a pretty keen ear for that, especially when the emergency comes in the form of the little voice of a kid who's trying to cover one up. But the emergency meter is registering negative on this one. He's just getting a snack. It seems like a rite of passage in a way. My little one learning new things and wanting to do them on his own. So it's an added surprise when the boy walks carefully into the living room with a ceramic mug cupped ceremoniously in his hands. He walks toward me, beaming, and he holds out the mug, and he says, I made you a drink, Dad. He grins. I take the mug carefully from him, and I don't know what to say exactly, because whatever the emergency meter was doing a minute ago, now it's pinging off the charts. I peer cautiously at the liquid in the mug. It looks milk-based, but grayer. There's a thin swirl of pale green snaking timidly over the surface, the color of pickle relish. 
I'm hesitant to get my nose too close. Dicey, but with care. A further unpleasantness seems avoidable. I look at my son with a wide smile. I say, thanks, champ. You're the greatest. And I look him in the eye as I carefully set the mug down on the corner of the side table. I'm going to save this for later, for a special time. And he looks at me and says, but dad, this is a special time. (laughs) Well, with astounding nonchalance, I negotiate conversational misdirection. After all, what's being a parent about, right? I mean, polished diplomacy, that's what it's all about, right? But not yet a full sentence later. There are signs of trouble. The boy is still standing there. He's rocking back on his heels with his hands clasped behind his back. His eyebrows are raised as though he's waiting for me. It'll pass, I think. But he looks at me, and in my head I hear the musical sting that always accompanies the movie shot of the shocked head of the hero, eyes wide with terror as the scene around him telescopes impossibly, psychedelically backward, that moment when he realizes there's no way out of the trap. And something in the back of my head says, this is it, Sparky, the moment where you get to make good on your campaign promises. What are the dad polls going to look like tomorrow? Well, there's a spoon handle sticking out of the mouth of the mug, and I give it a little swirl with a shaking hand. To the surface of the liquid rises and falls as gracefully as a family of deceased otters, something that must once have been an Oreo cookie, something else, olive black, and the unmistakable bitten-off end of a hot dog. My vision begins to blur. I can't share what happened next. I don't remember it. I may have repressed it. All I know is that when the sun rises the next morning, I'm still the dad, re-elected to another term. Blessedly, my son's beverage creation phase lasts exactly one drink, and as I remember it, there's one thing I believe for certain. The night of Skyler's concoction is, in fact, a rite of passage. My only mistake is in presuming it a rite of passage for him. Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it, on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for that entry in the Radio Family Journal. Maybe you've had a similar experience having to decide how to react to something presented to you as Skyler's drink was presented to me. If so, there's probably a story there, a story worth sharing with the people that you love. So open your mouth. You can share them with us, too. You can send us an email at theappleseed at byu.edu. Again, that's theappleseed at byu. You're going to hear stories from Sheila Arnold, from Priscilla Howe, and from Mark Binder. Mark will tell us a story about a caveman who just wants to do something good. But uh, in the meantime, here's a conversation with a friend. 
great stories come into our lives in so many ways through the tales that we hand down around kitchen tables and living rooms and campfires from generation to generation to the books that we love and digest to memories associated with food, the great meals that we've shared with people that we love and of course songs and the memories of them are some of the ways that great stories come into our lives. It's such a pleasure to chat about all these ways that we experience great stories here on the Appleseed. We love to do it with friends. I'm joined in the studio by Don Shaline. Don Shaline is not only the head of radio services as part of our BYU radio family, but Don, I like to say that if there's a song that Don Shaline hasn't heard, I want to know about it, especially from the 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, we're here to talk with Don Shaline about an important song uh, in his life. And Don, it's great to have you with us. Great, great to be here with you, Sam. And, and you know, it, it's true, I'm sure. All generations have their music that is the best. And I don't know why everybody else thinks their music is best because my music. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We, all have, we all have our biases and that's our, it has to do with what touched us at the right time of our life. Yeah. Uh, and, and this song came along in my life a little bit later. I wasn't in my teens. I This was more as I was just a young married man, but still really loving rock and roll and still working in radio and still rifling through the new albums and odds and ends coming through that maybe nobody else was listening to. But I always like to go deep into some of these and figure out, I wonder what this cut's about. Yeah. And this was, you know, popular duo. It was uh, David Crosby and Graham Nash. Yeah. Out of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, they were the two that tended to get along the best, it sounds like. That Neil Young was just that roving cowboy in and out, and you know you couldn't really pin him down. Stephen Stills was kind of the guy that really made the band work, but because of that, he tended to cross people in the wrong way. But Nash and Crosby seemed like they were just friends, and yeah. they made a lot of good music together. And this was an album that was sitting on the radio station floor, just in piles, and and kind of had been put behind some other ones. I thought I'd give it a listen, and the very last cut on it was. Again, sounding very pretentious <laughs> because it was two movements. It was the album's Wind on the Water. The song is called To the Last Whale. Critical Mass, A, Critical Mass, B, Wind on the Water. Ah, uh, those smart Alex. <laughs> I know, you know, here, let us be pretentious. Right. But it, it, it really just was very touching to me. It started out with this kind of little acapella counterpoint thing of the, the two and, and harmony was always such a strong suit of all the guys in uh, yeah oh Army. yeah that's what we remember about those right, guys right. And, and have tried to emulate a thousand times right, right? but they they do this sweet little uh, counterpoint thing then strings come in and then it's just a little treatise basically saying uh, why are we killing whales to put create makeup you know is that is that the highest usage of these animals is to create, to put the shadow on our eyes. Right. Yeah. And I always liked a good protest song. So <laughs> that was, <laughs> to me, it, it kind of spoke of, we can use music to tell a story that maybe we don't even realize is out there. Maybe people didn't realize that that's some of these common everyday products are made from whales. And yeah. maybe we can change a little bit of how we create stuff if we want to save these beautiful animals. And I, you know, there are all kinds of stereotypes and, and it's hackneyed in some ways of, you know, we, we get so enamored with whales and dolphins sure. and things like that. You are, you are beautiful animals. Oh, you, for you, sure. see a, you see a whale breaching out there, you know, off Hawaii or something like that. And that's, it's kind of a cool experience. Yeah. 
Let's listen to a little of the tune, shall we? Over the years you swam the ocean Following feelings of your own Now you are washed up on the shoreline I can see your body lie It's a shame you have to You know, as as I hear you talking about your memory of this song, and and even and even admitting, you know, that there may be you, you've used the word pretentious, right, to describe some of this music sometimes, and sometimes our ideas about some of the things expressed in the music become more sophisticated over time and may even more sophisticated than the expressions in the music, right? But we met them in the music, you know, we, we that's where we met those ideas and right. the ideas that have grown up in us and the, the sensibilities about the world and its things. We started to think about those things when we heard songs like this, right? It's, it's really true, Sam. There are many examples of me and I've learned words in the English language because they were in song persons like, what? What does that mean? Right, yeah. You know, it, can, it can be a doorway to knowledge even if sometimes the actual song itself is simple or whatever. Yeah, yeah. As I put more years behind me, you know, <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I make an effort, you know, I make an effort to listen to the music that my kids are listening to. Oh, and and I don't walk around scoffing at it. I see that there's great music being made nowadays, too. But I listen on long morning walks to music. I've got headphones in and I'm listening to things. And I do tend to gravitate to the stuff that I discovered in that foundational time of my life when I was forming my ideas and first getting acquainted with music that I would choose, you know, that wasn't chosen right for me, you know, and yeah. as I hear you hearkening back to some of these tunes, I, I feel the weight of it. I feel the weight of it, man. Hey, take <laughs> a load off Annie. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And of course, the songs that we listened to back then are windows into the people that we were back then. And it's such a delight to get reacquainted with them, you know, keep bringing them along with us. And what a pleasure it's been to chat with you, Don, about this tune. Uh, Crosby still Nash and Young has been a little theme in our Yeah, I, I decided, you know, over these past few times here with you, I would kind of get the, the band back together. <laughs> That's right. It, somebody needs to, right? Well, it's been a pleasure to chat with Don Shaline. We always love talking about stories with friends. Thanks for joining us for a conversation with our old pal Don Shaline. Great stories do come into our lives in so many ways. And it's a pleasure to chat with Don. We'll try to have him back. There's a lot more coming up. You're going to hear a story called Elena's Birthday Dance in just a moment. A story from Sheila Arnold. You won't want to miss it. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. Such a pleasure to have you with us today on The Apple Seed. A moment ago, uh, we had a conversation with our old pal Don Shaline about a favorite song. And up next, we've got a story called Elena's Birthday Dance, a story told for you by Sheila Arnold about a little girl who just loves to dance her heart out wherever she goes. Here's the story. Sheila Arnold on The Apple Seed.
Elena loved to dance. She loved to dance in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. As a matter of fact, Elena would dance all day long if she wasn't always so interrupted by everybody. <laughs> in the morning, Elena would wake up to her alarm clock. Learn to take responsibility, her mother would say. Her clock was set to the oldies but goodies radio station. She'd wake up to something like, Stop in the name of love before you break my heart. Stop in the name of love before you break my heart. Think it over. Think it over. Elena would quickly jump up on the top of the bed and start to do dances like the mashed potato and the twist. Oh, and then she would hear, Elena her mother calling to her. You have to get dressed. But mom, I'm dancing. Elena. Yes, ma'am. Elena would climb off her bed, cut off the radio, humming the last few bars, and then go to the bathroom. She washed up, made sure she brushed her teeth. Fresh teeth were the best teeth. Brushed them side to side and up to bottom and don't forget to floss her daddy would say, sounding just like a dentist. And then she put on her clothes for school. When she was finished, she rushed to the kitchen. In the kitchen, her mother had the radio on a station that played music without words. Lots of different instruments only. Elena immediately began to dance. You know, the kind of dance you do when you have no words to your music. She would begin with what she would call the waltz step. And then she would back into a minuet. She had learned that in social studies. And she would end with her version of the tango, depending on the rhythm of the music. Elena, her mother would say, feeding her baby brother, you have to sit down and eat. But mom, I'm dancing. Elena. Yes, ma'am. Elena would waltz her way through the kitchen to the plate of toast, bowl of oatmeal, and orange slices that had been left by her early rising and early leaving father. She enjoyed eating breakfast, the most important meal of the day, baby girl, and didn't waste a thing. Soon Elena was putting on her coat, gathering her book bag, and hitting out the front door for the bus. As soon as she hit the sidewalk, Elena began to dance. It was the perfect place for the electric slide. To the right, two, three, four. To the left, two, three, four. Back, two, three, four. Dip forward and turn. Let's do it. Right, two, three, four. To the left, two, three, four. Elena, Elena, come on, yelled one of her friends. The bus is coming, Elena, come on. To the left, two, three, four. Elena, Elena. Okay, okay, I'm on my way. And she stopped dancing long enough to run to the bus and bowed to all the passengers when she reached the top step. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Sit down, Miss Elena, smiled the bus driver, and Elena did. At school, Elena concentrated as hard as she could while visions of dancing ran through her head. 
She was delighted when the teacher, Mr. Hughes, he was dreamy, finally said they were on their last day of reading a book about the boy who liked fried worms. No dancing at all. But a good read just the same. She passed her spelling and vocabulary test with flying colors and did a little happy dance while sitting in her seat. Finally, it was lunch. Lunch was great, but what followed was recess. Elena and her friends went outside as soon as they had picked up the large CD cassette player, which Mr. Hughes let them borrow and bring outside. On the almost faded four squares, the girls would put in CDs from the world's two greatest singers, Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson. They would laugh and tease each other all the while dancing. If they were not rocking with Michael or moonwalking to his thriller, they were throwing up their blue suede shoes and doing the twist to ain't nothing but a hound dog. Girls, girls, shouted Mr. Hughes, time to come in. With great reluctance and as slow as possible, you all move with the speed of molasses, said Mr. Hughes. The girls turned off the CD and carried it inside. Girls, whispered Mr. Hughes as they passed under his arm, holding open the door. You will get to do this tomorrow. The king of rock and the king of pop will live again. The girl smiled and wistfully took one more look outdoors before going back to class. Science class was Elena's favorite, and math was what she did the best. She was better than the boys, no matter what they said. Then the bell rang. School was over, and back onto the bus she went. On the bus, she could barely contain herself. When a car pulled alongside the bus, blaring its music, more often than not, the bus driver would have to yell, Miss Elena, sit down. And she did, until the next car came by. Once off the bus, she ran to her home. She unlocked the door, threw her book bag and coat on the floor, and went straight for the family room. Her finger was sticking straight out like a wand, and she was going to the stereo. It was time to dance. Elena, what? Her mother stepped around the corner, holding her baby brother and looked Elena in the eye. What did you say to me? Um, um, yes, ma'am. Her mother's eyebrow went up in the way that said, you know I know, but I'll pretend like I don't know so it doesn't happen again. Instead, her voice said, go back. Close the door, lock it, pick up your book bag and coat, and put them away. But, Mom, I just want to dance. Her mother put the baby in the playpen and turned part of her face around. It was her mother's expression that told Elena no more words were needed. Elena promptly left the family room and went to pick up and put away her book bag and coat, and she closed and locked the door. Elena, watch your brother. I need to go take a shower. Ew, that's nasty. You've been walking around all day with no bath, young lady. I was just saying, Mama, you know, it's a little late. Plus, I want to dance. Watch your brother. But, Mom, Elena. <sighs> Elena, why don't you just 
teach your brother how to dance. Elena looked at her baby brother, who was just starting to sit up and then said, Hmm, okay. While her mother went upstairs, Elena put her hands to the playpen to tickle her brother. You know, I could teach you an easy dance. Well, not really a dance, but a little song with motions. Those were my first dances. Yes, I'll teach you one. Her brother gurgled at her. Elena took her brother's little hands and began to teach him. The itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. She had her brother's small thumb and pointer fingertips touching while moving his hands up. Her brother smiled and laughed. (laughs) Down came the rain and washed the spider out. She brought down her brother's hands and then spread his arms apart. Her brother smiled. (laughs) Out came the sun and dried up all the rain. She lifted her brother's hands to make a big circle, maybe too big for his arms, and her brother's face began to quiver. (laughs) And the itsy-bitsy spider went up the spout. (laughs) Elena, she heard from the bathroom upstairs. Elena picked up her brother's bottle, gave it to him, and he was calm. Last time I'm dancing with you. Elena had to do homework. She rushed through her homework but made sure she did it correctly. Because if she did not, then her mother was likely to add on 15 minutes of quiet time just because. Her mother looked over her homework. Excellent, Elena. Elena stood before her mother, and when her mother looked at her, the question was hanging in the air. Yes, baby, go and dance. Yes! Elena shouted, throwing her hands up in the air and doing a quick happy dance. She ran into the family room, and with her fingers sticking out, just like a magic wand, she pressed the power button to the stereo. Her favorite music came on. To the hip hop, to hip, to the hip, to the hip hip hop, to don't stop the rock, to the bang bang bang, um, jump the boogie, to the rhythm of the boogie, the beat. Talking about the wild, wild west, mmm. Talking about the wild, wild west, mmm. You can't touch this, dun 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 dun. Can't touch this. It was hip hop music. Her daddy called it old school style, baby. And she loved it. She shook her body, threw up her hands, turned around and around and around and sang with the music. She was dancing. And she danced until dinner and then bedtime. Elena loved dance. One morning, Elena woke to her mother whispering in her ear, wake up, Elena, wake up. Elena slowly opened her eyes and turned her head on her pillow to face her mother. She had not heard her alarm go off, and then she remembered today was not a school day. Mommy, it's not a school day. Why did you wake me up? It's your birthday, Elena. Elena gave a wide, toothy smile, her head still on the pillow. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to me. Her mother said softly, Get up, Elena. We're going out for your birthday. As her mother began to leave, she turned and said, Oh, and put on your dancing clothes. 
Elena sat straight up, no longer sleepy at all. Her mother said to put on her dancing clothes. These were Elena's favorite clothes. But her mother always said they were inappropriate for human consumption. She hurried awake and out of bed. She did not want her mother to change her mind. She loved her dancing clothes. A pink bodysuit with a tiger that had no more whiskers and a hole in each short sleeve. A red, white, and yellow tutu that was frayed along the edges. Stockings that were zigzagged with different colors with a hole on the heel of the left foot. And a pair of dirty brown dancing shoes that she had found in the back of an unused closet in the house. One day... When she grew up, she was going to buy bright red dancing shoes. Once dressed and with her coat on, Elena went to the kitchen where her mother held out a toasted bagel and a banana. Her mother already had her coat and was holding two bags. Ready? Ready! Elena and her mother walked to the car. And Elena asked, Mommy, where are Daddy and my brother? This is our trip, not theirs this time. We'll celebrate with them later. Come on, climb in. Elena opened the back door, climbed in the child's seat, and buckled up. Mother started the car, turned on the heat, and they began to drive. Where are we going, Mommy? You'll see. Her mom smiled at her own surprise. You'll see. They drove a while until they came to the old theater, which had at one time had showed movies but now had been renovated and was a performance theater. It had singers, musicians, storytellers, and even dancers. And although Elena had never been inside, she had wanted to go in. Elena was very excited, but then she realized, as her mother parked the car in front, Mommy, it's too early for there to be any shows. The sky was just becoming light, and some of the street lights were still on. Maybe we should come back later. It's okay. Get on out, said her mom. Elena unbuckled, opened and closed the door, and began walking to the front of the theater. No, Elena, come this way. Her mother hadn't walked to the front of the theater at all. Her mother was standing to the side of the theater, pointing to the alley. We need to go this way. Elena jogged to her mother and was about to walk with her when she realized the alley was still dark, with only one not so bright light. I don't think this is a good idea, Mommy. You'll be fine. Elena looked at her mother. Her mother seemed calm and even happy. Something was wrong. I really think this is a bad idea, Mommy. Her mother didn't answer. She just walked on. Elena looked around, certain she heard noises of very bad people. Then Elena's mother climbed the stairs. Mommy, this is a really bad idea. I don't want to have my birthday here. Can we just go home? Her mother did not answer. She just knocked on the door. Mommy, no! Who is it? A deep voice screamed through the door. It was an angry voice, and Elena knew it was connected to an angry person. Mommy, let's go. Let's go now. Please, let's go. The door opened. I said, who is... The man stopped. His eyes opened wide when he saw Elena's mother, and he exclaimed, Lily! Oh! He quickly kissed Elena's mother once on each cheek. Elena's eyes opened wide as well. Some strange man was kissing on her mama. Oh, Lily, girlfriend. The man looked at Elena. And is this Elena? <laughs> she is the carbon image of you, girl. 
He swung the door wide open and shooed them in. Come in, come in! As the strange man and her mother talked, Elena walked in front. She wasn't certain where she was going, but she had noticed a light ahead. She continued to walk toward the light. It became bigger and bigger and bigger until it covered an entire stage. Yes, the stage was lit with bright lights, and on the stage there were dancers. Dancers, all in dancing clothes. They were jumping and twirling and stretching and bending and moving to soft music in the background. There were dancers, dancers, dancers everywhere. She turned to tell her mother, and when she did, Elena noticed that her mother had taken off her coat and her mother had on dancing clothes. Mama, you have dancing clothes. Oh, Elena's mouth opened wide, looking her mother up and down. Of course she does, Elena, said the strange man. Your mother was a great dancer when she danced with us. My mother dances? She stared at her mother, who had a small grin of secret on her face. She never danced at home. Oh, the strange man bent down to Elena's height. Oh, but your mother can dance. And dance great. Elena, come here, her mother called to her. As she walked over to her mother, seeing her very different, Elena saw her mother take out a pair of brown dancing shoes and put them on. Elena shook her head in wonder what had happened to her mother. Elena took off her coat, and then her mother said, Here, Elena. And she handed to Elena a box from the other bag. Happy birthday, baby girl. Elena smiled at her mother, surprised by this gift. She opened the box and... <gasps> Inside the box were a pair of brand new, bright red dancing shoes. Elena put the shoes on, twirled around once, and ran to hug her mother. Then her mother bent down and said, Elena, shall we dance? And that day, Elena and her mother practiced, warmed up, and danced with the Alvin Ailey dancers. Elena danced and danced and danced and danced. And as she walked away later that morning, holding her mother's hand, a smile on her face, and bright red dancing shoes on, she promised herself she too would grow up and be a dancer. And that's exactly what she did. Sheila Arnold with a story called Elena's Birthday Dance here on The Appleseed. What a pleasure to bring that story to you. And up next, a story from Mark Binder, a story in which a poor caveman just wants to do something good for everyone. Og Saves the World is the name of the story. Here's Mark Binder on The Appleseed. Og Caveman, huh? Og live in cave with dog, wolf, and wife, Marsha. Hi, I'm Marsha. One day, it's winter time, and Og cold. 
Ugh, very cold. Ugh, sitting next to fire, trying to get warm, but fire not warming. Ugh, ugh, look up and see that, that shadow from tall tree getting longer and longer and longer. Sun getting farther and farther from earth. Basic principle of geometry. Giant snake is eating sun. Marsha. What is it, Og? Giant snake is eating sun. What? The giant snake is eating the sun. We are going to die. Og not want to die. Og not want to freeze like, like icicle. Og, every year the sun goes away and every year it comes back. Not this year. Why not? Every year magic man come and um, and do dance and, and sing song and, and giant snake let sun go, but magic man not come this year. We all going to die. I don't want to die. Well, Og, um, why don't you just do the magic song and dance? Og not know how to do magic song and dance. Well, um, I do. You do? You going to do magic song and dance? No, Og, I'll let you do it. Okay, how? Okay, repeat after me. Okay, repeat after me. No, Og, repeat after me. No, Og, repeat after me. Og! What? Owa. Owa. Tagu. Tagu. Siam. Siam. Okay, Og, that's the song. Sing the song, dance around a fire. Okay, Marsha, are you sure this is going to work? Yeah, it'll work. Okay. Owa. Tagu. Siam. Faster, Og. Owa. Tagu. Siam. Faster, Og. Owa. Tagu. Siam. Owa. Tagu. Siam. Oh, what a goose I am! 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 Og, you look so silly dancing around a fire singing. <gasps> Marsha, look. Shadow getting shorter. Song so bad that giant snake vomit out sun. It work. Huh, how about that? So from now on, every year, we're going to have a big tall tree, dance around fire, sing song, tell story. Sounds good to me. Yeah, me too. Og Saves the World, here on the Appleseed, a story told for you by Mark Binder. And up next, we've got a story from Priscilla Howe. This is a story called uh, Now I've Gotcha. It's from a collection of stories called The Ghost with the One Black Eye and Other Stories. And if that sounds a little spooky, well, you know we never get too spooky here on the show. And this story is certainly no exception to the we never get too spooky rule. Now I've Gotcha, a story you're going to love from Priscilla Howe here on The Appleseed. Well, you know that same family. The baby and her big sister and her big brother and her mother 
went camping. They were camping out, having a good time until it began to rain. It rained for two days. It rained for three days. It rained for four days until finally the kid's mother said, we're going to a motel. So they got in the car and they drove for miles to a motel. It was the only motel anywhere. The mom said, you guys wait in the car. I'll be right out. I'm going to go get the key to her room. So she went to the desk clerk and she said, I'd like a room. The desk clerk said, oh no, the only room we have is haunted. You can't stay here tonight. The mom said, we're sopping wet. We've been camping for four days in the rain. We will stay anywhere, even if it's haunted. So the desk clerk said, okay, and he gave her the key to room 13. She went down the hall to room 13. She opened the door, and she heard a voice. Now I've got you. Now I'm going to eat. That mom ran out of there. She ran all the way to the car. She got in the car. She locked the door. She said, we can't stay here. Her son, whose name was Jonathan, said, Mom, what's going on? We can stay here, his mom said. The room's haunted. We can't stay here. Jonathan said, look, Mom, I'll take care of it. Give me the key. I'll go in there. I'll take care of that whatever it is, ghost. So he went right up to the door. He opened it. He went inside. He heard a voice. Now I've got you. Now I'm going to eat you. He ran out of there as fast as he could. He ran to the car. He got in. He locked the door. He said, you're right, Mom. Let's get out of here. Step on it. But his sister, Cynthia, said, Oh, you guys, give me the key. I'll go take care of this. So she went up to the door. She opened it. She went in. Now I've got you. Now I'm going to eat you. She ran out of there as fast as she could. She got to the car. She locked the door. She said, you're right, Mom. Let's get out of here. But the baby said, give me the key. <laughs> She took the key and she went up to the door. Ba, 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 ba. She opened that door. She went inside. Now I've got you. Now I'm going to eat you. She said, Oh. She looked under the bed. Peekaboo. Nobody was there. Now I've got you. Now I'm going to eat you. Oh. <laughs> she looked in the bathroom. Peekaboo. <laughs> now I've got you. Now I'm going to eat you. There was no one there. Oh. There was only one place left to look, and that was the closet. She opened the closet door. Now I've got you. Now I'm going to eat you. Peekaboo. 
right there in the closet. She could see it. A big, hairy gorilla. And he had just peeled a banana, and he was saying to the banana, Now I've got ya. Now I'm gonna eat ya. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> Priscilla Howe, now I've got gotcha. you, now I'm going to eat you. A pleasure to bring you stories today from Priscilla Howe, from Mark Binder, from Sheila Arnold. At the top of the hour, you heard Dancing Granny from Issue Bumpus. Thanks to Don Shaline for joining us today to talk about a favorite old song. And there's always stuff to do and hear at uh, byuradio.org slash Appleseed. That's where an archive exists of all of the episodes of the show. Uh, uh, thousands now of episodes and, of course, thousands of stories as well. And you can uh, Google the Appleseed podcast and find something new just about every day, too. I'm Sam Payne. I can't wait to be with you again on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for an hour of stories, music, and conversation made for you and your family and brought to you by The Appleseed. The show is a production of BYU Radio. We'll see you next time.